Hey, what's up, everyone? And uh, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Crimes with a Badass Dad. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Uh, just want to take a little bit of time to thank everyone who's uh, been listening and you know sharing the podcast. Uh, it's all greatly appreciated. Um, right now, I'm looking for someone who could help me. Um, I, I, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, so uh, I kind of want to grow the show, but I don't know shit about marketing or anything like that. So if uh, anyone out there has a clue, uh, please tune me in. Uh, reach out to me on any of my, uh, uh, any of my, any of my uh, social media or email or whatever. Just uh, hit me up and uh, point me in the right direction. Um, if you would... Uh, please uh, keep continue sharing the podcast. I'm getting you know more views. Uh, I'm getting a lot more likes on my uh, social media platforms, and it's because of you guys, and I and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, so tonight's guest, uh, whew, uh, Jason the Kid Knight, uh, former UFC fighter, now fights in bare knuckle fighting championship. Uh, he had a uh, he's go he's, he's rematching on November 16th against a guy named. Uh, Artem Lobo, uh, their first fight was fucking brutal. Uh, both of them were bleeding out. Their faces were just like, they, look, they both were like fucking roadkill after the fight. But uh, it was uh, one of the most memorable fights, especially in uh, bare knuckle fighting. But uh, the dude's an absolute savage. Uh, we talk about a lot of shit. We talk about the ups and downs of his fighting career. Um, we talk about you know him balancing the life of being a professional fighter and you know having children. And, you know, we just... We shot the shit, learned a lot about him. Uh, big fan. I'm definitely going to be tuning in to uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship November 16 to watch this rematch. If you haven't seen the first fight, uh, Jason Knight versus uh, Artem Lugo, make sure you YouTube or Google that shit. It's fucking entertaining. Um, but anyways, uh, thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Uh, let's keep this ball rolling. Uh, love you guys. Thanks. Uh, what's up, Jason? We're recording. All right. You doing all right tonight? I'm good, man. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I was excited when you uh, when you reached or when you got back to me on Instagram. Yeah, man. No problem. Uh, I try to try to do as many podcasts as I can. You know, uh, not only does it help me out, but it helps you guys out. And, you yeah. know, anybody that's helped me, I'm glad to help them. Yeah, man. So, um, you know. I know who you are, but just for my guests, if you don't mind, just kind of introduce yourself. Just kind of who you are, what you've done, what you're doing right now, and like just just kind of what's going on going on in your life, brother. Uh, my name's Jason Knight. Uh, I'm a former UFC fighter. I, I've been fighting since I was 14, and finally made it to the UFC at age 23. Had nine UFC fights. Out of those nine, I, I lost my first one. I won four straight in a row. I became number 15 in the world, and then after that, I lost four straight in a row, and UFC kicked me out. So uh, now I'm fighting bare knuckle. I've had one fight uh, doing the bare knuckle boxing for BKFC. I fought Artem Lobov, and you know, we put on what a lot of people call the fight of yes, the year. Yes, sir. And uh, now, you know, I, I don't think that I lost the fight. I, I wound up losing a decision, but. I felt like I won the fight, 
So there was always, you know, there there was that argument there of who really won. So now we're running it back. November the 16th, BKFC 9 going to be right there in Biloxi, Mississippi. If you, you know, if you can't make it in person, you got to buy the pay-per-view and make sure you're watching that fight because, you know, in the first fight, we put on an all-out war, a bloodbath, and, you know, we're planning on, you know, making it even more exciting this time. I'm right. going to try my best to put him away or, you know, either either put him away or make sure that the decision is so clear that they can't rob me this time. Nice. All right. Well, this is kind of a dad podcast. Like, we just – man, we, we just talk about life and just dad shit. Uh, why don't you just go ahead and, like, kind of tell me about your family and, and your kids and things, man. Um, I have two little girls that are uh, by my first ex, my uh, – I guess you could say pretty much my high school sweetheart. Uh, she was she was in high school. I had done dropped out by that time, but uh, yeah, it, it was a girl that I had messed around with a lot when I was younger, and then yeah, we wound up getting together, fell in love, had our first kid, split up, messed around a little bit, wound up having our second kid. So I, I have a seven year old and a four year old girl by her, and then I have a little boy by my ex wife, and uh, man, I, I've got three awesome kids my little boy he's three he'll be four november the 24th and you know i, I couldn't ask for a better set of a, a better set of kids you know they're they're wild they're crazy they, they make you want to pull your hair out sometimes but you gotta yep. love them you know absolutely so uh you're kind of one of my first like uh mma fighters and i've always been like kind of fascinated I, I dabbled in mma and i was absolutely horrible at it so you know i never really got to you know experience anything but i've always you know had a fascination because yeah, i still train i still i know guys but you know just because i'm looking at the have you on the show i kind of like just want to know a little bit more about you like how you got to where you are if you don't mind like could you go back to that kind of like before you were like jason and you know jason the night or the kid the night uh go back kind of like your childhood and like how you got into mma or how you got into like martial arts and you know just kind of the beginning of your story uh man, I, I've told this same story a bunch of times, man. But uh, I have I've fought, you know, pretty much since I was born. It seems like uh, my big brother, he's seven years older than me, and you know, ever since I was born, probably always been at least a hundred pounds bigger than me. So he's always he wanted to make sure his little brother, you know, was tough. Right. So he beat he beat me down. You know, most of my life, you know, any anytime I was, I was doing anything he didn't like, he beat me up for it. If I, you know, if I was crying, he beat me up for it. If I, I walked around the corner, and he just felt like punching me that day, he punched me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he just made me real tough, man. And I kind of, I kind of took that attitude to school, to uh, you know, the skating rink, the football fields, you know, wherever I went. You know, I had the attitude that nobody's tougher than me nobody's gonna beat me up i'm not scared of you you can't do no worse to me than my big brother did and uh you know anytime anytime somebody looked at me crazy talked to me crazy i was fighting and uh it got me in a lot of trouble when i was younger i got several simple assault charges pressed and stuff like that and then uh around the time i was 14 there was a friend of the family a guy named jay bullock and he's now actually my brother-in-law but uh at the time, he was just a friend of the family, and he heard, you know, about me getting all these fights, and he wanted to teach me how to box, wanted to teach me how to throw, at least throw straight punches. 
So we get together, we start working in my backyard, you know, trying to learn how to throw straight punches. He's just holding pads for me, stuff like that. Well, then, you know, we slowly but surely, we, we find the Eddie Bravo book. We find a book about Muay Thai, you know, different little things to start looking into, you know, trying to transition from just throwing straight punches to throwing kicks and, and doing some jiu-jitsu, some wrestling, you know, different little things that we could find little videos on Instagram and uh, not Instagram. Instagram was not even a big deal back then. Right. Little videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And uh, next thing you know, Jay Book, he goes out one night. He's going to a bar. It's a place called The Whiskey in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, they're shut down now. But uh, they were passing out flyers for a place called The Fight Club. And uh, he brought home that flyer. And he's like, man, you gotta, you gotta give this a shot. You know, you gotta call him up, see if you can fight. Well, we called him on that Monday, and you know, asked, hey, can I fight? The guy was like, yeah, no problem. You know, he said, uh, I told him, I said, I'm 14, can I fight? He's like, yeah, no problem. He said, uh, I don't care if you're 12, if your mom signs for it, you can fight. So <laughs> that's Alabama for you. <laughs> yeah, that's Alabama for you for sure. At this time, they didn't even have an athletic commission. But yeah. uh, I, I talked to my mom, and you know, she knew how I was. She knew that I loved fighting. She knew this was something that I wanted to do. So she took me down there, signed, signed the waiver and everything on, on that Monday. Signed up on Monday. I had my first MMA fight that Wednesday. And uh, I went 6-0 and fighting at the fight club at this little rinky-dink. You know, they had a 16-by-16 dog kennel, and they would stick it inside of a boxing ring, and they would call that their cage. <laughs> and uh, I went six and zero training out of my backyard at this little rinky dink, you know, little promotion. I was fighting, you know, other guys that probably were about the same skill level as me, but they were coming in off the couch. You know, they were drinking right. beer that that morning and fighting that night. Uh, and I was actually training. I was I was doing everything I could. I had, I had good cardio. And I had a good rear naked choke. You know, from all my life, you know, I, as long as I can remember, I, I put you in a rear naked choke with a body triangle and choke you out. Yeah, but, you weren't uh, were disciplined at this point yet, were you? As far yeah, as yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't have any real martial arts background at all. I was just, just a wild whatever, man. Yeah, whatever we could do in our backyard, and then I still, I was super sloppy with my fighting, uh, but I got the job done six times out of the backyard. I was six and zero, and then. Uh, Around the time I was, I, I don't know, I was closer to 16 or 15, going on 16. Um, my brother heard about Alan Belcher. He had a he had a gym called Remix MMA at the time, and that was in Diaboville, Mississippi. And uh, my brother, he was living in Ocean Springs. I was living in Lucille, which is you know, about a good 45 minutes apart. But uh, around this time, I, I I was getting ready to drop out of school, so. My brother tells me, you know, after you drop out of school, if you move up here with me, I'll pay I'll pay your gym membership. You can start training at Remix MMA with Alan Belcher. And, uh, you know, that's what we did. I moved up there. I started training with Alan Belcher. And I had four more amateur fights with him. I went 4-0 as an – I mean, I, I went 4-0 through his gym. So that's 10-0 as an amateur. And about that time, you know, Alan – I was supposed to turn 17. And Alan's like, look, man, whenever you turn 17 – I think you should go pro. Yeah. And so I'm going to talk to the athletic commission for you, and you know, we're going to try and get it where you can go pro. And uh, the athletic commission, they pretty much said the same thing as the other guy. 
get your mom to sign off on it. We'll let it. We'll let you make it happen. You know, Alan. Alan showed him all these different fights. Proved to him that I've been fighting grown men since I was fourteen. And uh, was this during the time not, when Alan Belcher was like peaking? Like he had, he had a really good run yeah. in the UFC for a while too. So. Yeah. See, see, when I first got with Alan Belcher, it was right around the time that he had fought Kendall Grove and, and lost to him. It was before Alan's peak. Right, and it was before, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, about the time I went pro, it was about the time Alan Belcher was just really yeah, on I remember, I remember he took some time off and he came back and he started tearing into some dudes. Yeah, man, he was, he, he was number six in the world at one time in the middleweight yeah. division. I think he might have even went higher in the rankings, but I know for sure he made it to number six. I know he was close, and then he had that uh, he had the loss to a Bisping, and then I think shortly after that he kind of retired. He found, or for whatever reason, but I know he was up there getting ready. Yeah, man. Uh, in the Bisping fight, he he wound up with a detached retina, right? And I think that was the second time that that had happened, and I think he was just more worried about losing his vision than yeah. fighting. And. Uh, Alan's a super, super smart businessman. He owns three gyms. I know, I'm sorry, it's two gyms now, but anyway, Alan's a super, super smart businessman. He owns several gyms. He's into real estate. He's uh he does this thing to where I can't really remember exactly what he calls it, but he teaches other gym owners how to run their gym successfully and yeah. they pay him to do that. Yeah, I see. I see. He comes up on my. Uh, it's weird. He comes on my Facebook all the time, advertising about like making your gym better or something like that. But I, I know he's into. Like, I see what he's doing. Yeah, man. He, he's making. I believe he's making more money now than he was in the UFC. You know, he. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely not struggling since he he left the UFC. And the thing about it, people think you know just because he quit that he can't do it anymore. But I guarantee you right now, if you put Alan Butcher back in the UFC and he gets in that 185 division or even the 205 division, he will run through most of the guys that's in there right now. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy to think that he's still he's still that good. He's still right there. He didn't lose anything. He's still been training. He's still been working. Yeah. And I think that he can go back in there and really do it if he, if he ever put his heart to it. Yeah. So after you, uh, so you went MMA at seven, or you went pro at seventeen? Yeah, man, I went pro at seventeen, and uh, I went like seven and zero as a pro before I had my first loss. Seven or eight and zero as a pro, and I had my first loss, which you know I later, I, I later got to rematch that guy and I, I, I beat him right before I went to the UFC, and then uh, at, at twenty three. Uh, right. The the day that my little boy was born, I, I remember. It like, I I'll never forget it. You know, I was uh, I was pulling up at a place. Uh, it's called Fusakli, and not Fusakli's. Uh, Raising Canes. I was pulling up at Raising Canes, a little place you can go get chicken or whatever. But uh, I was pulling up at Raising Canes. It was November twenty fourth. My little boy had just been born, and you know, after his birth and everything. Like, hey, I'm I'm starving. I'm gonna go grab something to eat. I'm pulling up, and Alan Belcher calls me. He's like, hey, man, what you doing? And not much, man. Getting something to eat. Just had my little boy. He's like, oh, hey, yeah, that's cool, man. Uh, we're fighting the UFC in a couple weeks. I was like, yeah, of course. He said, <laughs> uh, he said the date's December the 11th, and uh, that was right at. I think it was right at three weeks or something like that. I can't. I can't really. I don't do math that great no more. 
But uh, anyways, I know that I had right out two weeks to train for the fight, and then I had a week, you know, that I had to be up there signing autographs. I mean, signing uh, posters and all that bull crap, doing all the media stuff. But uh, anyways, I lost. It was I fought Tatsuya Kawajiri. He was number thirteen in the world at the time. I fought him on like two weeks two weeks notice. So I, I lost that fight, and then uh, I went. Uh, I, I won four in a row after that. After I lost to him, I, I won four straight in a row. Yeah, I got three uh, performance bonuses, and then yeah, I, you know, I remember. I remember your tear because I remember like it was. Uh, I think my favorite fight that I saw you. I think it was against Dan Hooker. Like that was a. Uh, that, that was like that was. Probably, I know that's, in my opinion that was like one of the best like performances I've seen you do. Besides uh, the one with like what's his name, Alex Carceo. I can't I remember his name. The uh, Bruce yeah, Lee looking dude. Alex Caceres. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I feel like Dan Hooker's probably my most notable win because, yeah. you know, after I beat Dan Hooker, he moved up to 155. Right. And in his last 10 fights, he's lost to me and he's lost to Edson Barbosa. Other right. than that, he has been on a straight tear. Yeah, he's, 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 he's like any any fight now, he's, he's going to be like a, a top contender for the title. Oh, yeah. He, I'm telling you, man, he's just he's just been knocking people off left and right. Yeah. And I, I'm really proud of the guy. You know, we, we – uh, We've talked several times since then, and he, he's actually a real cool guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what he did with his career. Now, did you have, a, like, because, you know, it sounded like you were definitely a wild child, uh, you know, dropped out of high school. Was there, was there anything else, like, besides the fighting? Was it, was, like, was it boozing? Was it drugs or anything like that that kind of was going on in your life when you were younger? Uh, man, I've, I've never really been much on drinking. You know, I, I've always I've always been a pothead. I used to, right. I used to smoke weed a lot, and uh, I actually quit that earlier this year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I've I've always been a pothead, and uh, I've never really seen anything wrong with that. You know, uh -huh. I've uh, like whenever I, whenever I made it to the UFC and I was making all this money, that's about the only time I ever really really got into drinking heavily you know uh that we got this mud park down here where you go full wheel riding it's uh it's right down the road from my house and i never had a four wheeler before you know i, I was 23 before i got my first four wheeler after my first big ufc win that fifty thousand dollar paycheck i put a down payment on my house and went and bought a bunch of toys and uh Whenever you go four wheel riding, you go mud riding, you're you're down there all weekend. Yeah. Everybody around you is getting drunk, you know. So you want to get drunk too. So that that's what I was doing, you know. It, yeah. That's what's fun, you know. It was riding around four wheel riding, getting drunk all the time, and uh, you know my training slacked off big time. Uh, I I lost. I kind of lost the hunger for it. I thought that thought that you know I, I'm on this four fight win streak. That I was thinking that I was I was on top of the world. I wasn't. I wasn't going to lose, you know, I was thinking right. that I'm going to run through everybody. So I slacked off on my training, and next thing you know, I go on a four-fight skid, uh, four-fight losing streak. So yeah. UFC, they kicked me out, and now I'm in bare knuckle. Yeah. That's that's a crazy world to be in, right? Because, uh, like, I mean, MMA is pretty, you know, it's it's pretty violent, but I think uh, the bare knuckle, that's a, that's a whole new violence. I you know, it's. I didn't expect it to be as brutal when I first saw it because there's always the uh, the talk about that. Uh, you know, not having the gloves on is going to make people not punch or whatever. You know, the, the argument about like taking the gloves off the MMA fighter, maybe it'll stop. 
you know, certain things from happening. But it, like you guys are, it's it's, it's even more violent with the uh, yeah. with the gloves off. Man, you see, you know, you see, you see several people that go out there and they fight. That I, I guess you you could say more cautious. They're they're trying to pick their shots more. They're trying to you know throw throw softer punches and stuff like that to make sure they don't break their hands. Right. But then you got the guys like me and Artem that I don't care if I break my hand. I'm going to hit you with it anyways. And uh, that you know that that kind of I guess you could say causes more damage, but it doesn't doesn't really cause brain damage. It doesn't really cause the concussions and stuff like that. Cut you. Uh, it definitely hurts your hands, and it cuts your face up. Yeah, uh, that was that was that was some of the bloodiest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I I have a bunch of scar tissue from you know old old stuff, but uh, yeah. I wasn't. It's something that doesn't bother me. You know, I you cut me up as long as I can see, I'm still coming, and even if I can't see. I'm going to swing blindly, you know what I'm saying? As long as I know you're right there somewhere close by, I'm going to try to punch you anyways. Now, is that, is, that so, is that something that always been with you? Like, Because I was trying to get back when you were a kid. Like, I mean, At some point, you had to, like, I wouldn't say necessarily grow up, but you had to, like, I mean, become. I would imagine becoming like a professional MMA fighter, there's, there's a lot of discipline that goes into it. So I imagine you can't just go from being, like, a, you know, a crazy wild child to and, and continue down that without having, like, some kind of, like, discipline or, or some, some time in your life where you, get, you kind of get in step, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, man. Honestly, I I was 100% wild, and I would fight you on the streets anytime, right. any place. Uh, if you looked at me crazy, we was getting down. And uh, I started fighting MMA, started training MMA, and it was just like, I don't know. I don't even know what happened. Like it, It's so weird how the discipline and the honor and the respect just comes to you. You know, you, yeah. It's something that you can't help whenever you train mixed martial arts. Uh, you know, you have no desire to fight somebody in the streets anymore. You know? Other than other than somebody putting their hands on me, putting their hands on my family, spitting in my face or something like that, I'm not gonna fight you. You know, unless unless it's in the in the in the cage or in a ring or whatever. You know, there's absolutely no need in it anymore. You know, yeah. I I used to always think that I had something to prove. You know, I guess I guess you could say like some guy tried to tried to bully me. Oh, you're not gonna bully me, you know stuff like that. But uh, now, you know, you can you can say just about anything, and I, I'll let it roll right off my back. You know, if you you tell me you tell me, oh, dude, I beat you down. So what? Yeah, good good for you, buddy. Right. Hey, call me call me a little b, you know, a little bitch or whatever. So what? You know, that's that's good for you. You know, it doesn't bother me anymore. But you know, when I was younger. Man, you could say the slightest thing and, and look the wrong way, whatever, and we was getting down. I, there right. was no talking. Yeah, so the sport itself kind of like, I imagine it kind of humbled you or at least put you in a place where, you know, the shit that you were doing when you, when you were a lot younger, just it didn't have a place in your life at that point anymore. Yeah, man, I mean, I, uh, I guess you could say it helped me grow up a little bit, you know, it helped right. me grow up pretty early. Um, you know, I still did stupid things uh, growing up and, you know, got in some trouble after the MMA, but not nearly as bad as I, I would have if I wasn't, if I wouldn't have ever found MMA. Right. I feel like, uh, I feel like if I wouldn't have found MMA, I would have went down a much, much darker road, you know? Yeah. 
So, so like, you know, I like how you're, you're pretty open about like, you know, you had some pretty good highs and you had some pretty good lows while you're in the UFC. Um, and I, I remember when you, when you, when you came in, you had like, you were winning bonuses. You were, I mean, and I, I don't mean cocky in a bad way, but you came in with like, you know, you were ready to go. you like, every time that you won, you got the, uh, the microphone, you didn't hesitate to, uh, just, I mean, it just, it was always just like, you're excited to be there. Um, you, you know, you felt like you were ready for the next thing. And you were, I mean, it was, you seemed like you were like headed for like the, you know, the top. Um, but you had, you had some losses. You know, had that changed you? Cause obviously, you know, you went through, like you only lost once before you got in the UFC or you were kicking ass. You had four incredible wins and you get your first loss. Like how did that kind of affect you as far as like a mixed martial artist, you know, as a human being in general? I mean, uh, you know, honestly, Honestly, it really didn't. It didn't bother me all that bad, you know. Uh, I was number fifteen in the world five fights ago. Right. So I know if I really, really want to dig deep and go get it, I can get back there. I know that I can, you know. Right. I, I'm I'm better than everybody. I would say I'm better than just about everybody that I lost to. Uh, Ricardo Lamas. When I lost to him, I got caught. You know, he caught yeah. me with a good punch. I felt like. That was my only real legit loss. You know, that's the only one that I feel like could not have been avoided. Yeah. Uh, after Ricardo Lamas, I lost to uh, the next fight was Gabriel Benitez. Yeah. And I trained hard for the fight and everything, but exactly a week before the fight, I wound up with strep throat. Yeah. Probably should have backed out. You know, I, I well not probably. You know, looking back on it now, I definitely should have backed out because. Halfway through the first round, I gassed out and could barely even hold my hands up. Was not myself inside of there, and I just toted a, a whooping because of it. Uh, the next fight after that was Maquan Amirakani, and I dropped Maquan Amirakani twice in the first round. I don't care what nobody says. Still to this day, I feel like I won that fight. You know, if you go back and you watch it, uh. I feel like I won the fight. I, I was in control most of the time. Even if he was on top of me, I had him in my rubber guard threatening submissions. He couldn't do anything. He probably landed 10 punches the whole fight whenever he was on top of me on the ground. But they gave him the fight because he was on top of me and he had supposedly more control. That doesn't count. You know, If you really know anything about jiu-jitsu, you know yeah. that the person on top is not always the guy who's winning. Right. But, uh, anyway, I, I still don't feel like I lost that fight. But uh, the, my last UFC fight, the fight with Jordan Rinaldi, I still feel like I'll smash Jordan Rinaldi uh, on, on any given day. But uh, exactly two weeks before that fight, I wound up, I was on my way back from California with my buddy Brandon Davis, and I wrecked the mountain bike. And uh, I wrecked that mountain bike and had an AC separation in my left shoulder. Well, exactly one week before that fight, right before I had to fly out to, to go to, to uh, I think it was like two days before I had to fly out to go to New York, I caught my ex-wife cheating on me. And Gosh. yeah, and I, I went to the same little mud park I was talking about earlier. I went down there. She was at the mud park and... I went to the camper where she was staying at, and just so happened there's a man there. Bam, Jeez. bam, bam. Yeah, I, I hit him with a two, three, two. Dropped him. <laughs> yeah, exactly a week, exactly a week before the fight. You know, so yeah. that fight right there, I probably should have backed out of. You know, 
not because of the 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 ex-wife cheating and all that 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 just put a mental strain on things but right. i had an ac separation in my left shoulder and you know for one i wasn't gonna be able to, to throw that left hand the way that i should have and for two every time jordan Ronaldo would go for a takedown i would try to defend the takedown he would grab a kimura trap and it, i don't know why I guess just luck of the draw, but he would always grab that left arm. And whenever he did, I would try to defend it real hard because I'm worried about him, you know, hurting my left shoulder because it's, it's got an AC separation. But uh, every time I try to defend that uh, that uh, Kimura, he would go straight to my back. And then once he got on my back, I just, you know, I couldn't get him off. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess it's just like it, it didn't really affect you that much. Like you're still – the same place like mentally like you just you'll get to get the next one yeah man that, that's pretty much it you know um I, I honestly think you know the the biggest thing it did for me was you know taught me a lot of life lessons you know right i i um i was on this four fight win streak and i was you know i, I my first time i got the fifty thousand dollar bonus i think i made like a $26,000 paycheck, you know, I think it was, no, I, I think it was, uh, 24,000, 14 and 14. I don't, I'm sorry. 12 and 12 is 24,000, 12,000 to walk in the cage, 12,000 to win. And on top of that, a $50,000 bonus. So that was $74,000. And then I get 2,500. I think it was from Reebok. So right at $76,000 life changing, you know, yeah. I went from being the, the brokest guy around to I felt like I was the richest guy around, you know? Right. Uh, went from barely barely even being able to pay my bills to I can buy anything I want. Got your first four-wheeler. Got my first four-wheeler. Got, got my first, uh, you know, I put my down payment on my house. And, uh, you know, went ahead and spent like another 20000 fixing up the house. And next thing you know, I fight Dan Hooker. I get like uh I, I didn't get the bonus that night, but I got fourteen and fourteen, which is twenty eight thousand plus like a two thousand dollar sponsorship from Reebok, right at thirty thousand dollars. You know the money's still rolling. I'm still good. So you know I'm going to the mud park every weekend. I'm doing <laughs> doing this, doing that, anything I wanted to do. That's what I was doing. Well then, uh, after that I fight Alex Caceres. I made. 16 and 16 for that fight, which is, uh, what's that? That's $32,000 on top of a $50,000 bonus. Um, no, 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 I take that back. I had already renegotiated my contract at this time. Uh, anyways, it, it goes up from there. But I remember when I fought Alex Caceres, I made, I think it was $106,000 or something like that. After the fifty thousand dollar bonus, mm -hmm. it went up to after it went up to twenty and twenty, or something like that. Anyways, I fight Alex Caceres. I make almost a hundred grand, something like that. Then after that, I fight Chad Skelly. I beat him, get another bonus. I made one hundred eleven thousand. But man, I'm sitting here just blowing through this money as fast yeah. as, as fast as it comes in. I got my house paid off. I got me a truck. I got me a car. Got me several four wheelers. All that stuff I did. You know that was good. Other than that, man, I couldn't tell you where that money went. I partied. I bought whatever I wanted to buy. 
I paid for everybody's drinks when we went out. Yeah. We went to the casino and I give my buddies money to spend, you know, stuff like that. Just anything I wanted to do, that's what I was doing. And then uh, I lose to Ricardo Lamas. And when I lose to Ricardo Lamas, I'm expecting, you know, this big paycheck. But instead, I get a, a $30,000 paycheck versus $100,000 paycheck. Jeez. And I'm still trying to still trying to live like I got that $100,000 in the bank. Yeah. And then by the time I get to Gabriel Benitez, I'm thinking for sure, you know, I'm going to get the ball back rolling, you know. And, and by the time I get to the Benitez fight, I'm already done spent all my money and I'm borrowing money from people. And yeah. uh, by the time I fight him, I've got to, I've got to pay everybody back. And I, I lose the fight. Got to pay everybody back. And instead of having a thirty thousand dollar check, I got like a fifteen, ten thousand, ten, fifteen thousand dollar check because I've done. Hey, that's the that's a brutal world you live in, man. Yeah, man. And then uh, well, let me ask that, you this: you know, it was it was just more of the same until right. it was over with. Well, let me ask you this: because like, I mean, like that kind of story, like I've heard a lot of guys, like you know, in the MMA behind the, you know, whenever you like you learn about the guys and you hear about the shit that you know they've gone through. And they all had like that kind of similar story, like you know they're doing great, they're getting the money, they're living like rock stars, you know, having a great time. And it's like it's almost like a cliche. Why do you think that's that's still such like a heavy trend with fighters? Like, like you would think at some point, like there'd be like that uh, awareness that like you know the, the big the next uh, the next big paycheck's not guaranteed, uh, the money might not always come in. Like you would think there'd be like something in place to help guys kind of like keep their shit together, if that makes any sense. Now, I mean, honestly, everybody's everybody thinks it's not going to happen to them, you know. Right. And you tell yourself, you know, I'm going to do it right this time. Yeah. But you know, and then next thing you know, somebody says, "Hey, let's go do this," and you got the money to do it. Why not? Right. And I mean, uh, I mean, I get it because I used to come back home from, uh, you know, I'd go to deployments, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, and I'd come back home with like you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars because for a whole year I didn't spend any money because I was over there, you know, doing God's work. So I'd come back rich and you would think, you know, if I if I, if I would have been smart with my money, you know, that money could have lasted me a long time, but that usually that money didn't make it a year or two until like I would I would literally have to go back to, Af to Iraq and Afghanistan so I get myself out of debt, you know, because the money never lasted and like I would never make like the, the, the right decision to put money away to like to not live so freely to kind of have just a little bit of discipline, you know, to, you know, to where I'm not, yeah. you know, where I'm not like my mid twenties or my thirties living, you know, not just living pay, pay to paycheck, but having to use my credit card to buy dinner, you know? Yeah, man. Like if you, if you look at a lot, a lot of fighters, you know, they came from, from backgrounds that didn't have a lot of money, you know, unless, unless right. we're talking about Sage Northcutt. Yeah. Uh, almost everybody, you know, they, they come from a hard life. It, it was the hard road to get there. And, you know, once you finally get the money, nobody teaches you before you get there how to how to live rich. You know, right. and not really, not necessarily rich. I never was rich. I was right. far from that. But in my head, that's where I was. I was rich. I knew how, like, I, I still to this day. I know how to penny pinch, you know, I know how to, I know how to be broke. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. I know how to struggle and, and barely get by. But whenever you've got it to where you don't have to do that, you know, it, it's so hard to slow yourself down and, and think, Hey, I need to, I need to put this money here. I need to, 
invest in this. I need to, you know, get this business started. I need to do that. Yeah. And, uh, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad it happened to me. I really am. I'm glad that I learned that at an early age. Yeah. Uh, I learned that lesson before I turned 27. I'm 27 yeah. now and I'm making good money with bare knuckle again. And I know now that, you know, once I, once I start making those hundred thousand dollar paychecks and stuff like that, there is a way smarter way to do it than the way I was doing it before. Right. And yeah, right now, you know, uh, my first bare knuckle fight that I had, I made more on that fight than I did my, my ninth UFC fight. My my ninth, I lost my ninth UFC fight, which, uh, I got paid $36,000. I can't really tell everybody exactly what I made with bare knuckle, but I made more than that ninth UFC loss on my first bare knuckle loss. And, uh, I feel like, you know, I have the opportunity to keep making more and more money with them. But, you know, with that money that I had from the bare knuckle fight, I had to go ahead and pay off a bunch of debts that I had. Right. From the but now, you know, right now I'm at the point of my life to where I owe nobody anything, you know, except for baby mama's waiting for the child support, you know, of course. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really owe much of anything out to the world right now. So from here on out, I believe that, you know, once I, once I start making these big paychecks, I can do stuff right and, lay a foundation for the future instead of the right now you know and so that, that takes probably a lot of pressure off your back now because now you're you're not fighting necessarily to uh to catch up you're fighting now to like kind of progress and and, and provide better for your family and and start thinking about those college funds and things like that right yeah man uh you know that that's something i'm for sure gonna think about but really it, it went from you know fighting for the love of it to where I was fighting for the next paycheck and trying to get stuff straightened out to where now, you know, I don't really, I really, honestly, I can, I can go to work tomorrow. I know how to work. You know, I, I can yeah. go, I can go hit a shutdown tomorrow. Or I can go, I can go get put on a job, you know, anywhere. I don't, I don't have anything in my system. I go pass a drug test wherever I want and go to work. So I do not need, you know, this career to, to make it, you know, I've already got yeah. my house paid for all that good stuff. Okay. The only reason I'm fighting now is for the love of it. You know, it's, okay. it's because I love it. And, uh, of course, like you said, you know, I, I can, I can save up for college funds. I can, you know, buy land. I can, I can do this. I can do that. That makes sense now instead of, instead of partying and, and, you know, trying to, keep the the ex-wife happy and the friends and all that stuff you know i i've learned you know the the ones that are standing around with their hands out those are the ones that's going to run away as quick as they can once you don't have nothing to put in that hand you know right but, uh, i you know I, i'm excited to see what the future holds for sure now you know you so you're 27 now you've been a professional fighter for almost 10 years um and you got a bunch of kids now um have you ever had issues with like you know balancing the life of a uh, professional fighter and, and and being a dad, um, you know that 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 whole thing? Because I mean I know it's got to be tough, right? Because you know usually you get what like eight to twelve weeks to train for a fight, and you really want to perform well at that fight. So I mean that you got to have like some kind of like sick obsession, right? To be because you, know, you want to be prepared as possible. Has it ever like hindered you at all, or you know just what's that life like being a dad and being a professional fighter? Man, it, it's definitely hard, you know. Uh, I had I had my first 
child, you know, my little girl, I had her when I was 19. And at that time, it was before I ever made it to the UFC. And uh, I was having to, to work at the shipyard. I would get off at 5 o'clock. Uh, and I would go straight from, you know, straight from work to the gym. I'd still smell nasty with my, you know, with my, my work clothes on, go in there, pull them off, throw on my, my gym clothes, and then drive home at night see my girlfriend for just a little while and my kid fall asleep, get up at 4.30 the next morning, go do it again. And I did that for years until I made it to the UFC. And when I finally got to the UFC, you know, I didn't have to do it anymore. You know, I, I didn't have to, I didn't have to, to struggle like that anymore. And that was, you know, I feel like that was a mistake. You know, I, I think that, uh, I think that the struggle kept me honest, right. <laughs> you know, and kept me on my toes, but yeah, you know, now it's pretty hard. You know, I, I, uh, I don't, I'm not with either one of my baby mamas, and I get, I get my little, my little boy and my little girls every other weekend. Sometimes more than that, you know, as, as much as I'm able to, I get them. But yeah. you know, through the court system, I'm allowed every other weekend, and they have to give me that. But uh, every now and then, you know. They'll ask me to keep them more, or I'll ask them, can I keep them more, stuff like that. But uh, whenever I got my kids and there's a training camp coming up, they're going to the gym with Daddy. You know, it's, <laughs> okay. it's a 45-minute it's a drive, an hour drive to the gym, uh, and I go there with my kids. You know, They come with me. They, they know that they got to sit down and chill out while Daddy's training, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it was a lot harder whenever they were younger and you're over there trying to hit pads and then your your little boy's throwing a fit because he can't come out on the mats with you or whatever. Yeah. But now, you know, they're all to the age to where they know, hey, we got to sit over here and chill out or we got we to gotta go in this room and play while daddy's over here doing that. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's pretty easy, you know. It's not as bad as it used to be. But, uh, you know, I see, I see some guys that, They'll go spend a month here, six months here, right. three months there. You know, maybe, maybe you know, if I did that, I could be a better fighter. But yeah. I don't care. You know, I, I wanna, I wanna be the best that I can be with what I've got. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna every other weekend as long as I'm able to, I will be with my kids, uh, no matter what. And if I if I'm going over to to Thailand or if I'm going to California, I'm staying two weeks and I'm coming back to my kids. Right. Know, I, that's it. And, uh, I, like I, I just more than anything, I, I, I would love to make this career. I would love to be number one in the world and all that stuff. That would be great. But, uh, in my eyes, I don't care about all that. That doesn't even matter to me. As long as, as long as my kids know who daddy is, as long as they love their daddy, as long as I'm not giving them false promises, I'm good with it. You know, right? Uh, I know that. I know that no matter what, I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to make sure that, you know, while they're with me, they're having a good time and they're happy. And uh, every Christmas, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure they got a decent Christmas. Every birthday, I'm gonna make sure they got a decent birthday. Every little holiday that you know comes along, I'm gonna make sure that I spend it with my kids. You know, and if uh if my career ever got to where I feel like it's more important than that, then I feel like I'm, I'm in the wrong place in life. Right. Hey, that's good stuff, man. All right. Well, 
you know, before we uh, we end this, I definitely want to talk about your next fight because that's coming up pretty soon, right? November. Yeah, November sixteenth. Uh, I want to say it's seventeen days now. Yeah, seventeen more days. Yeah. So let me ask you this because that was brutal. Like the first fight was absolutely. Uh, it was brutal. Like both you guys. If I'm not mistaken, I, I watched you spit out one of your teeth. Um, he's bloody. You're you're bloody. Everybody's fucking bloody. Um, what? Like you know, you're going back in there with the same guy, and like, like I know he, like he, he had a hard time in the UFC, but if anything, that dude's not a pussy whatsoever. That's a tough dude. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, yeah, like, and you know, you know, you're going right back into that firefight with this, you know, this guy who's just as psychotic as you are. Um, how do you, how do you, like, I don't know, like, I guess I want, I guess I don't even know, because I remember like when I tried my little amateur MMA, the reason, like, there's two reasons why I wasn't successful. One, I wasn't that good. Two, I didn't like to get fucking punched in the face that much. And you two know you're going to go in there. You know that you guys are going to bleed. Uh, how do you stay uh, – I mean, what, what what makes you want to get in there and do that again with this guy? I mean, what, oh, what, what is it that you had that, that makes you okay with this kind of violence? And I've done some violent shit in my life. Like I said, I got like five combat tours. But, you know, this is different. What you guys are about to go do is it's, – it's, it's insane to me. Oh, man, I – I guess it's just got to be something you're born with, you know. I, I've always. It, it's weird to say this, but I have always wanted that type of, you know, just a brutal, you know, bloody, all-out war to where you know you see what I've got and the other guy sees what he's got. You know, it's just you. You have to. You have to dig deep and, and know that you're not willing to give up. He's not willing to give up. And, uh, you know, going, going to the next fight, I know that no matter what, I'm going to be there. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to pour my heart on the line and, you know, I, I'm going to try to fight a little smarter, of course, try to keep my hands up a little more and, uh, you know, try to, try to keep from crossing my feet up, getting flat footed, stuff like that. But uh, if it comes down to a bloody brutal mess like last time, then you know, it is what it is. As long as I get to give it back just like I take it, then I'm good with it, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Well, how can we watch this fight? Because I definitely want to make sure. I watched the first one, but I can't. How do we watch it? And, uh, you know. Uh, there, you can you can get the Fight TV app. It's going to be on Fight TV. Uh, look up BKFC9. Uh, also, it's bareknuckle.tv. I, I believe you can order it through there. Um yeah. Or you can drive to Mississippi and come see it in person. That's a long drive from New York, brother. Are you live in New York? Up, 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 upstate New York, close to Canada. Well, I'm I mean, now I'm from Panama City, Florida. So I flew I flew to New York uh, to fight once. You might as well fly to Mississippi to watch a fight once. Right. You know, it's not that right. big a deal. Right. So, uh, is there any uh, sponsors or anyone you want to plug before we uh, end this? Uh yeah, man, uh, I've got several. But uh, I know I'm not going to be able to remember them all, so I'm sorry for the ones that I forget. But uh, you got, let's see, Veteran Farms, Phenoma Fit, Nelson Outdoors, Kratom and Company, uh, Heartland Official. Let me think. I've got a bunch more, man. I, I've got, I've got like ten different sponsors, but. Everybody, man, I I know that I forgot some of y'all, but thank you so much for yeah. everybody that's you know put out money, and uh, you know 
give me supplies and stuff like that to help me get through this camp. I promise you, I couldn't have made it through camp without you. Uh, it's been 100% stress-free. I've still got money in the bank to, you know, keep going through the rest of the camp. And if it wasn't for you guys, then I wouldn't. it wouldn't be that easy for me. So thank you so much. T-shirts, uh, right? You got T-shirts out right now, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got some T-shirts that they're, they're coming. You need to go online to alphablacklabel.com, and uh, there's some pretty sick shirts, man. Yeah, they I made, saw them. They're nuts. I like it. Yeah, they made some awesome shirts for me. Um, you know, it, the shipping's pretty outrageous because they're coming from from I think Colorado, but uh. If you if you go on there and you spend more than a hundred dollars and use the coupon code free shipping, then you get free shipping. Uh, if you go look on my Instagram, I can't remember the other coupon code, but there's a there's a coupon code to get five dollars off of uh, any any purchase that's ninety nine dollars or less. And uh, you, you go on there, use those coupon codes, and order the shirts. Man, yeah. it helps me out. All the money's gonna you know all the proceeds are gonna come back to me. And uh, I thank you so much if you if you you know you do the you get the shirt and show the support. I promise you, if you go check them out, you'll love them. They're sick. I I love them, and I'm excited about it. If you don't wear one, that's cool. I'm excited. I'm gonna wear one on fight night. All right, all right. Well, brother, I appreciate you doing this show with me, man. Uh, and uh, good luck, man. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I know there's gonna be blood, so yeah. Yeah, man, uh, everybody out there, make sure if you can, buy the pay-per-view. If you're not coming in person, buy the pay-per-view. I promise you I'm going to put my heart on the line. I'm not going to disappoint you, and uh, it's going to help me out a lot. So thank you all so much. Man, thank you for having me on the show, and anytime you get ready, let's do it again. All right, brother. Well, you have a good night. All right, brother. You have a good night.